This is The Guardian. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to The Guardian Long Read, showcasing the best long-form journalism covering culture, politics and new thinking. For the text version of this and all our long reads, go to theguardian.com forward slash long read. Dark Waters. How the Adventure of a Lifetime Turned to Tragedy. By Sally Williams. On the 18th of November 2017, Simon Spears, 60, a retired lawyer from Bristol, was hauling on his waterproofs below deck on a yacht in rough seas in the Southern Ocean. For nearly three months, he'd endured cold, cramped quarters, soaked clothing, seasickness, and very little sleep. As one of the crews competing in the Clipper Round the World Yacht Race, Spears had completed more than 13,000 nautical miles since leaving Britain. But the wild remoteness of the Southern Ocean was more challenging than anything he had experienced before. Spears had a hacking cough and a heavy cold, but as leader of the watch, he had to get out on deck. The race had so far taken them across the northern Atlantic Ocean to Uruguay and back across the southern Atlantic to South Africa. Two months in, he'd asked for a break. But after only a week, his replacement had fallen out of his bunk and hurt his wrist, and Spears had to resume his role. By 2pm, the wind was getting stronger. The yacht lurched up and down waves the size of steep hills. The captain ordered the crew to change the headsail, to make the boat easier to control. Spears made his way to the foredeck, but at that moment, a massive wave hit, sweeping him over the side. Spears was still attached to the boat with a tether. For several minutes, he was dragged behind the boat in the roiling waves while the crew tried to haul him back in. Then the clip on his harness snapped, and he lost contact with the yacht. It took three attempts and 32 minutes to pull him back on board, by which time he was dead. Simon Spears is exactly the sort of person Robin Knox Johnson the veteran sailor, had in mind when he founded the Clipper Round the World Yacht Race more than 25 years ago. At that time, the only people who got to race boats around the world were professional sailors. Clipper was designed for ordinary people, 
offering training and the opportunity to join a mixed ability crew, it would enable customers to achieve the ambition of a lifetime. The race is held every two years. Eleven yachts, each with a paying crew of 16 to 22 amateurs, led by a professional skipper and a qualified first mate, start from an English port and take up to 11 months to cover 40,000 nautical miles. Paying crew can choose to do one or more legs of the journey, and it isn't cheap. To take part in the whole race, over seven or eight legs, costs around £50,000. The route takes in some of the world's most treacherous seas. But you don't need any sailing experience to participate. According to Clipper Ventures, the company that runs the race, around 40% of participants are complete novices. Since it began, the race has become hugely popular. Clipper Ventures is not the first outfit to sell an iconic and dangerous challenge to amateurs. On the 23rd of May, 2019, 354 climbers made it to the top of Mount Everest in a single day. This included a dentist, an architect, a surgeon, a CEO and a housewife, who had each paid between £33,000 and £100,000. The oldest was 64. The commercialisation of extreme adventure has been made possible by advances in technical equipment, like sat-nav and portable oxygen meters, and turbocharged by a hunger for personal growth and fulfilment. But it has also been accompanied by accidents and tragedies. May 2019 was one of the deadliest seasons on record. Eleven climbers died on Everest in nine days. According to reports, overcrowding and unprepared climbers were partly to blame. There have been other fatal accidents on the Clipper race too. On the 4th of September 2015, Andrew Ashman, 49, a paramedic from Orpington, South East London, was standing in a known danger zone in the yacht's cockpit area when he was struck by the boom and suffered a fatal neck injury. Six months later, on the same boat, Sarah Young, 40, an entrepreneur from London with no previous sailing experience, died after being swept overboard by a wave. She was not clipped on. According to a report by the Marine Accident Investigation Branch, MAIB, into Spears' death, published in June 2019, 17 people fell overboard from clipper yachts between 2013 and 2018. Just over two weeks before Spears went overboard, a clipper yacht ran aground and had to be abandoned in a very serious incident just off the coast of South Africa. An MAIB investigation into that incident, published in June 2018, concluded that the inexperience of the crew was a factor. With only one professional employed seafarer on board, the clipper yachts were not safely manned for the round-the-world race. If you read Clipper's material, you'd think their number one concern was to keep people safe. But they have failed in so many ways, said Margaret Spears. Simon's widow, when we first met in 2020. I believe the company is compromised by their desire to make money out of these races. Knox Johnson has strongly denied such claims. Safety is a core principle of the Clipper race, ahead of the racing element of the event itself, and therefore the most important part of the training of its crew, Clipper Ventures said in a statement to The Guardian. The company says it has made investments in safety gear, becoming 
The first ocean racing company to introduce personal AIS beacons into its life jackets to aid recovery of a man overboard. After the deaths of Ashman and Young in the 2015-16 race, the future of Clipper looked uncertain, a source who works at Clipper Ventures told me. I thought nobody is going to want to sign up. But, in fact, applications increased. People are drawn by the chance to do something exceptional, and the risk is part of the attraction. Many customers, the source said, tend to think, this is really dangerous. This is something I've got to do. The founder of Clipper Ventures, Knox Johnson, became the first person to sail solo around the world without stopping in 1969. In the memoir he published soon after his return, he describes the hardships he endured. His boat leaks, his water supply gets polluted, his steering gear is smashed, he shoots a shark when it comes too close, and suffers what was later diagnosed as a burst appendix. He carries on, undaunted. This, it seems, is the Knox Johnson way. At the age of 68, he became the oldest person to race solo around the world. He had got irritated with people saying he was past it. In the autumn of 1995, the same year he received a knighthood, Knox Johnson placed newspaper ads to see how many people would be willing to pay to become part of a round-the-world crew. The response suggested that there may be a viable business in the idea. William Ward, a former property developer who became CEO of Clipper Ventures, invested £1.8 million. Knox Johnson commissioned eight new boats, Blue Water 58 Sloops, from Colvick, a shipyard near Chelmsford, Essex. The company set up a base in Plymouth, Devon, and Knox Johnson recruited friends from the sailing world, many ex-servicemen as skippers. As soon as the boats were completed, they began training crew, taking on additional skippers as they went. On the 16th of October, 1996, the first race left Plymouth with the eight boats. The race was a success, and over the next few years, Clipper built itself into an international brand. Major companies started to sponsor the boats, Garmin, Nasdaq, as did charities such as UNICEF, and from 2002, British cities such as Leeds, Liverpool and Glasgow. Since the first race in 1996, the event has been transformed from a low-key amateur sailing race into a major and highly profitable international event, attracting the interest of the world's media and business leaders, wrote Ward in Clipper Company accounts in 2007. In the following years, the company continued to grow. After the 2011-12 race, the company upgraded its yachts and launched the new Clipper 70s, manufactured in China. They were longer and faster than the previous yachts, reflecting Clipper's ambitions for more exciting racing. In 2018, Clipper expanded its business to Asia with the launch of a China-based division, Clipper China. In 2019, the company made a profit of £3.2 million. By 2020, it had a staff of 86. The man at the heart of this success, Knox Johnson, is, in the words of the Daily Mail, a patriotic Englishman of the old school, who embodies the spirit of the stiff upper lip. 
he has little time for what he sees as unnecessary bureaucracy. In his autobiography, he criticised the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency, MCA, the government department that enforces safety at sea and sets standards for the clipper race. Knox Johnson complained about its ridiculous and inappropriate rules for small racing yachts. Knox Johnson sees the race as a life-changing opportunity. Then Bowley, a skipper and chief instructor, who worked for Clipper Ventures for nine years from 2011, was impressed by Knox Johnson's vision and belief. He has drive, passion, and his ability to convey the awesomeness of the race is quite captivating. Having completed the race, Knox Johnson wrote in his autobiography, people usually feel confident to take on greater challenges. He continued, they have painted their lives with bright colors, not pastel shades, and that brightness is like a drug, and they want more of it. The moment Simon Spears decided he was going to sail around the world came in 1992, when he was in his mid-thirties. Watching the first TV footage of the Whitbread Round the World race, he was entranced by the huge seas of the Southern Ocean. It then became more a case of when, rather than if, he later wrote on his blog. Ocean sailing was his wife's idea of misery, but she understood his obsession. Simon was excited about it. It was his retirement dream to do it before he was too old, too infirm, she said. Spears, a senior partner in a Bristol legal firm, was meticulous and thorough. He liked to-do lists and DIY and had a dry sense of humour. He also had an adventurous side. Every two years, he would take on a challenge to raise money for charity. He had climbed the Three Peaks, the highest mountains of Scotland, England and Wales, cycled from Land's End to John O'Groats, run a 66-mile race in the Lake District. Spears originally signed up for the 2015-16 race, but he deferred his place because work was busy and his oldest son was getting married. Better to wait until the next race, 2017-18, when he would be 60 and newly retired. He kept fit by cycling six miles a day to work. Spears was a keen amateur sailor. He kept a couple of dinghies on a reservoir in Chew Valley, Somerset, where he had sailing Sundays with his children. He had a son and a daughter with his first wife, who died in 1991, and two sons with Margaret, whom he married in 1996. He had skippered chartered yachts on family holidays in the Mediterranean. But that in no way compares with the experience of these huge racing yachts in these wild oceans, said Margaret. Training for the Clipper Race consists of four courses, levels one to four, each lasting a week. This process, which is compulsory for participants, covers basic sailing techniques, head sail changes, tacking, gibbing, helming, as well as race strategy and safety. Trainee crew also sail offshore, mostly in the Solent, and later spend a few nights in the Channel. The Solent and the Channel are widely recognised as one of the best sailing grounds in the world for training, said a spokesperson for Clipper Ventures, because of the complexity of tides, shipping, navigational hazards and inclement weather. The people who sign up for the Clipper race tend to be middle-aged men of means. Many are at a turning point in their lives, 
just divorced, promoted, retired, bereaved, recovering from illness. Nathan Harrow, then 43, a business consultant, decided to sign up as a round-the-worlder in the 2017-18 race after a period of stress and depression after redundancy. Clipper was me drawing a line under the old me and getting my confidence back, he told me. Mary Morrison, a mentor for troubled children from southwest London, was 65 and perfectly content with her life when she did the 2015-16 race. One of the guys I was sailing with said, you're the one least after change, but you'll probably change the most. And that was probably true, she says. She gained new friends, an appreciation of the scale and sheer beauty of our planet, and a sense of how we need to look after it more. And it gave me a lot of confidence, she said. Another woman in her 60s, who did the third leg of the 2017-18 race, told me it was the best thing she had ever done. Crew are assigned to each yacht a few weeks before the race. The aim is to balance experience and ability across the fleet. Whether everyone gets on is a matter of pure chance. It's one big social experiment, said a crew member, who did the race in 2007-8 and again in 2017-18. If you're lucky, you have a good time. It's partly to do with the characters involved. Each boat is certified for 24 people, including one skipper who in 2017 was paid about £38,000 a year, plus £150 a day for six months of training beforehand. We ensure that our skippers share Clipper Ventures' ethos of safety above all else, said Clipper Ventures. Anyone who fails safety standards is dismissed. For many years, Clipper were required to have two professional sailors on board during the race under the MCA's Small Commercial Vessel Code. However, a Freedom of Information request shows that in 2010, Knox Johnson lobbied the MCA to allow him to replace the second qualified person with a trained-up member of the fee-paying crew. The MCA refused. In 2012, with the MCA under new leadership, Knox Johnson tried again. We have tried to make the system of having two qualified people aboard each boat work, he said, in a meeting with the MCA on the 1st of August. But, he said, it is not financially sustainable. Knox Johnson had a subsequent meeting with the MCA at Clippers Base in Gosport, Hampshire, at the end of September. Details of the meeting were not released. A year later, in October 2013, the MCA granted Knox Johnson's wish. From that point on, it wouldn't be necessary to have two professionals on board. All that was required was one fully qualified skipper and a second person who had successfully completed the company's coxswain training course. The Clipper coxswain's course lasts 12 days and is paid for by Clipper. The company aims to have two people on each boat who have taken the course, which covers use of radar, reading wind direction and force from a chart, calculating tidal flow and ocean currents, and manoeuvring the yacht safely into a berth in a port or harbour. Some sources I spoke to were sceptical about whether this training is really a match for hands-on experience. As a professional sailor, you're trained to look and see things that are going wrong ahead of catastrophe, said one skipper. You've got to have this ability to stand back and look at the whole picture, all the time. After the deaths of Ashman and Young in the 2015-16 race, the MAIB urged Clipper to review its manning policy. 
The special nature of the clip around the world yacht race places a huge responsibility on one person to ensure the safety of the yacht and its crew at all times, the MAIB wrote in April 2017. Four months later, the 2017-18 race started without a second paid professional on board any of the boats. Thanks for listening to The Guardian Long Read. The story continues right after this. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The audio long read is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash audiolongread today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash audio long read. Welcome back to The Guardian Long Read. The race was not quite what Spears had imagined. Seven weeks in, he described the trip on his blog as acute discomfort mingled with elation and awe. High points included the beauty of the sky at night, the soft swish of the boat through calm sea, the camaraderie of the crew, and an encounter with a pod of dolphins. Less enjoyable was the seasickness, the cold, and the lack of sleep. Spears had dropped two trouser sizes since the start of the race, a fact he attributed to the physical effort of sailing, pulling ropes, grinding winches, I miss you very much, he wrote in a letter to Margaret on the 10th of October. The experience, he said, was not a barrel of laughs, but he still planned to complete all eight stages. I am too stubborn to drop out, he wrote on his blog. Not all of his fellow crew members were so reluctant to quit. Mark Tucker, then 40, had signed up to do the whole Clipper 2017-18 race and was assigned to Great Britain, the same boat as Spears. 
The boat was sponsored by the British government as part of a marketing campaign to attract tourism and investment. On the 2nd of August, the crew were photographed outside 10 Downing Street. However, Tucker left after the first leg because of his concerns about safety. He felt that there was insufficient time before the start of the race for maintenance and repairs to the boat. At the time, he wrote a resignation letter to skipper Andy Burns, explaining his thinking, but he wasn't able to speak candidly in public because he'd signed an NDA. In retrospect, Tucker told me, I view them very much as a media PR company that happens to do a bit of sailing, rather than the other way around. By the end of the second leg, Spears was exhausted. At the end of the ten-day stopover in Cape Town, South Africa, he wrote on his blog that he had used the layover to repair and recharge. He went to bed early and ate healthily. He got his hair cut and met up with his daughter, Catherine, and her husband. She gave him a fruitcake baked by her mother-in-law. On the 31st of October 2017, the clipper boats began the third leg of the race, Cape Town to Fremantle, Australia. A journey of more than 4,700 nautical miles it would take about 23 days and pass through the Southern Ocean, one of the world's most dangerous waters. An area of almost constant high wind and frequent gales, it is where one of the highest ever waves was recorded, 120 feet. For this third leg, the crew had dropped from 20 at the start of the race to 16. The average age was 50, but the overall sailing experience was greater than on the previous two legs. Tim Jeffrey, then 56, an architect from London who had sailed small boats for 15 years, had signed up for the first leg to get to know people and the third leg for the Southern Ocean. It is the most remote place in the world, he told me. The sea is dramatic. It's challenging because of the size of the waves. You also get very fast sailing and it's hard work. The crew was divided into two groups, operating a system of five watches a day. Two shifts of six hours from 8am, three shifts of four hours from 8pm. Everyone was given a job, engineer, medic, treasurer. As well as head of his watch, Spears was the nominated cell repairer. He became known as Taylor of Gloucester on account of the hours he spent at the sewing machine with glasses perched on the end of his nose. Spears was also the clipper coxswain, regarded as the skipper's second in command. Great Britain had actually started the race with three paying crew members who had completed the Clipper Coxswain's course. One was Tucker. The other, apart from Spears, was John Milne, then 50, an IT director, who was injured at the time of Spears' accident. A common theme of Spears' blog was that he felt overworked. Everyone on Great Britain was delighted with their captain, Andy Burns. Then 31, Burns had started sailing as a schoolboy in Lincolnshire. After working on super yachts and for the Royal National Lifeboat Institution, he joined Clipper Ventures as an instructor in 2015. This was his first race as skipper. Spears regarded Burns as an ally. Both were good with people, patient, enthusiastic. Burns prioritised safety over speed. He assessed the abilities and limitations of his crew to the extent that, during leg two, he made the decision not to race competitively, but to sail conservatively, according to the June 2019 MAIB report.
Once the boat was sailing through the Southern Ocean in extremely cold weather, the shortage of experienced hands became a problem. Spears wasn't able to rest as there was no one to take his place. The boats are set up for a certain number of crew, according to a source at Clipper Ventures. You need that many people to be able to work the boat. If you're one or two people down, that's very problematic, and of course it makes the rest of the crew tired. After the 2014-15 race, a fitness test became part of the interview. Crew have to show they can climb onto a top bunk, not so easy when the boat is listing at 45 degrees, and get on the boat without using a ladder. The source said they felt Clipper Ventures' vetting process needed to be tougher. Being at sea can be petrifying. People become frozen with fear and start behaving out of character and become very difficult because they're frightened. One person, who did not want to give his name, signed up for leg three on Great Britain in the 2017-18 race. In the final week of training, the boats raced down to France and back. The weather was hideous. We had 18 people on board and there was probably only four or five of us that managed to keep the boat sailing. The rest were incapacitated, downstairs. I was burning myself out covering for other people. When we pulled up into the dock, I packed my bags and I said, I'm done, it's not safe. The dropout rate among round-the-worlders is 40%, wrote Spears on his blog. Things must get very bad because crew are liable for 100% of the fees if they drop out during the race. People remortgage homes and invest significant amounts of money in the adventure, said one former crew member. Sometimes as much as 100k if you include insurance, food, accommodation, flights, kit, etc. It's going to take something pretty serious to knock them off course. Apart from injuries and fatigue among the crew of Great Britain, a major concern was the condition of the boat. In an email to Clippers Management on the 3rd of July 2017, six weeks before the start of the race, Spears had pointed out that Great Britain was leaking. Still working hard to keep water out. Not easy job, and pretty hairy when boat kicking around. This should have been sorted out at refit before handover. It's a safety issue, Spears wrote in his blog on the 12th of August. The boat was still leaking when it left Liverpool on the 20th of August 2017. Within two days, the generator packed up. The water maker, which turns salt water into drinking water, didn't work for three weeks. Andy Burns, the captain, was spending his entire time dealing with maintenance issues on a boat that was three weeks into a year-long circumnavigation, said Mark Tucker. If he's down below sorting out why the water maker doesn't work or the generator doesn't work, he's not on deck coaching people, making sure the boat's being sailed safely. As part of its investigation, MAIB singled out an issue with the guardrail and supporting stanchions, which may have been partly responsible for Spears' death. The guardrail, which was designed to keep crew from falling overboard, was damaged in rough seas on the 4th of November. Thirteen days before Spears' accident. The crew managed to lash up the guardrail by wrapping rope around it. The repair was not great, said Tim Jeffrey. We had to be extra careful on the foredeck after that. The MAIB report identified a series of problems with Great Britain. The cumulative effect of the defects was to increase workload for the crew, contributing to their fatigue, lowering morale 
and distracting from sailing and gaining sailing experience, it stated. There were problems on other boats. UNICEF had to be bailed out every four hours on legs one and two, according to one round-the-world sailor. UNICEF started the race with a broken fuel pump. The generator failed on the first leg. Two crew members who had signed up to do the whole race left UNICEF after leg two, saying they were unhappy with the number of problems with the boat that needed attention. Staff at Clipper put the malfunctions down to normal wear and tear. The boats had been around the world twice at that point, they say, as well as being used in training and for corporate events. Some people believe that because they are paying to go around the world, the boat should be like hiring a car, said Lance Shepard, skipper on Liverpool during the 2017-18 race. Everything should be immaculate, ready to go. But that is not how boats work. They are much more fickle and difficult to maintain. Clipper's management was prudent, he said. They put safety first and foremost. The boats get stripped right back and overhauled at the end of every race. But there were also problems with the Clipper 70s from the outset. Clipper Ventures first discovered an issue in 2013, when the new hulls were shipped to the UK from China. There were gaps in the layers of fibreglass-type material, which could make the boat more prone to cracks in extreme seas, a marine surveyor told me. Clipper had the entire fleet surveyed in February and March 2013. They had the bad parts cut out of the new boats and relaminated, according to Knox Johnson. Not an easy job given the scale of the problem or the time frame in which repairs had to be done. The 2013-14 race was due to start in just over six months' time. It couldn't be delayed. Sponsors were signed up. The jamboree of corporate backers, supporters and families was already planned in each port. Crew members later expressed concerns that there were too many problems to fix in the short time before departure. Garmin crew member, Kira Pakurska, an experienced and highly qualified sailor, said there was no time for proper sea trials. If you send a boat on a transatlantic journey, especially with beginners on board, who have no experience in sailing at all, at least these boats must be trusted. And you can only trust your boat when you test it. Clipper Ventures said, Clipper race yachts are well-built, well-tested and maintained by a dedicated and highly skilled maintenance team who travel to every port of call on the race route. The source, who works at Clipper Ventures, told me there was anxiety about reporting problems. There is a fear culture that prevents a lot of that. They, skippers, are thinking, I'm going to get crucified for letting that happen. According to Clipper Ventures, on stopovers, Knox Johnson and Ward have been accessible to all sailing staff and crew for any questions or concerns. They created a culture of openness, and this continues with all Clipper Ventures staff today. At about 2pm on the 18th of November 2017, Simon Spears came up on deck, wearing a foul weather jacket and salopettes. Conditions were rough. His fellow sailors had never seen such massive seas. His wedding ring was tied around his neck on a leather shoelace. Jewellery was considered a safety hazard on board. He was one of five crew on the foredeck, lowering the headsail. He was attached to the deck with a safety tether. At 2.14pm, Great Britain was hit by a huge wave. 
The yacht dropped into a trough, slewed violently, and Spears was thrown into the water. One crew member, who did not want to be named, saw Spears with his life jacket inflated, being dragged alongside the boat. He leaned over to try to grab him, but Spears was just out of reach. He tried pulling on the tether, but the boat was going too fast. He could see Spears was struggling as the water buffeted him. He was constantly being hit by the waves, never able to gather his breath. The crew member managed to hand Spears a rope with a lifting hook to attach to his life jacket, in order to winch him out of the water. Spears tried to clip the rope to his life jacket, but he was getting exhausted. Water was going over his face, and he was being bashed against the side of the boat. As Spears was dragged through the sea, his clip bent out of shape. At 2.22pm, it snapped open. My immediate thought was, thank God, he's not going to drown by being dragged along by this boat, said the crew member. We can get the boat under control and go back and get him. We'll get him in two minutes. It's not dark. It will be fine. But turning the boat around in strong wind and very rough seas was not easy. It took three attempts to retrieve spears from the sea. Finally, at 2.54pm, 40 minutes after he fell in the water, six crew lifted spears on board Great Britain. His life jacket was cut off and crew carefully carried him below deck. He was already dead. After Spears' body was brought aboard, the skipper radioed to the Australian Coast Guard. Clipper tried to contact Margaret, but when they couldn't get through, they called the family home and broke the news to their son, Toby. They told him his father had died, said Margaret. A 17-year-old lad who was on his own at home. Toby is a sensible lad, but I'm sure it has scarred him for life. Clipper did wrong by us. Very wrong by us. We tried to contact Mrs Spears, Simon's emergency contact. Unfortunately, she was not at home, and her mobile phone was switched off, said Jeremy Knight, then Chief Operating Officer at Clipper Ventures, in an email to the crew of Great Britain, after being informed that the Guardian was investigating Spears' death. This decision to break the news to Simon's son has proved difficult for the family. And we understand that, Knight wrote. But the alternative, holding off and risking the family finding out through the media, was much worse. At 7pm that evening, the race director called Margaret and told her that her husband would be buried at sea in eight hours. He was not giving me any options. He told me they had come to that decision for the benefit of the crew so that they wouldn't have to travel with Simon's body on board. And they told me the burial at sea would be at three o'clock in the morning our time. And by three o'clock in the morning, we did have some friends and family gathered. The vicar came, and we read the service at home that they were having in the Southern Ocean, as if we were sharing it. The burial at sea has robbed me and my family of the opportunity of laying Simon to rest at a place of our choice, and allowing us to say goodbye to him in a way that we would have wished to she continued. It has also deprived our family of the opportunity for a coroner's inquest. We didn't get a chance to put questions, hear the responses, to help us understand what happened. Burns quit Clipper Ventures at the end of leg four. Andy didn't enjoy a second on that boat after Simon died, said the crew member who had tried to rescue Spears. 
Geoffrey didn't do the final leg as planned. After Spears' death, he did not feel right leaving his wife and two daughters. After Spears' death, the MCA would not allow the Clipper boats to sail with only one professional on board. Clipper Ventures had to recruit a second qualified mate for each boat in the fleet for the rest of the 2017-18 race. The MCA investigation into the death of Simon Spears was closed in 2020. The MCA received strong legal advice that the evidence was not enough to bring a prosecution, stated a spokesperson. The MCA referred the case to Hampshire Police to follow up an allegation of fraud in the certification of the boats, and they concluded that there were no grounds to pursue an investigation. Ward was awarded an OBE in 2018 for his services to the economy and to the Great Britain marketing campaign. Knight retired from his role as COO of Clipper Ventures in April 2022 and is currently a magistrate. When we contacted Knox Johnson in November 2022, he was at sea. One bright morning last month, I spoke to Spears' sons, Mike and Toby, on Zoom. For more than two years, the family had been fighting a civil action against Clipper Ventures, charging the company with an immature safety culture. They wanted to make Clipper Ventures answer for some of the failings that had led to their father's death. If you offer a service that is dangerous, you have a responsibility to make it as safe as is reasonably possible, and I don't think that was done, said Toby. At the end of February, Clipper Ventures paid the family the net sum of £140,000 to settle the case. The family believed the timing of the settlement was no accident. Clipper Ventures is up for sale. In settling the case, the company admitted no wrongdoing. But the family felt vindicated. They donated the money to the RNLI. Nothing can make up for the loss of their father. Toby is a student at his father's alma mater, Queen's College, Cambridge. I just wish I could talk to Dad about that, he said. Mike longs to tell his father about the grandchildren he never knew. For Margaret, the settlement has brought a sense of relief. I can hang up my sword and put all things to do with Clipper Ventures behind me, she told me recently in an email. Simon Spears had always been a loving husband and father. Now, they could once again remember him, not just by the way he died, but as the remarkable man he was. Thanks again for listening to The Guardian Long Read. That was Dark Waters, How the Adventure of a Lifetime Turned to Tragedy, by Sally Williams. Read by Claire Corbett and produced by Nicola Alexandro. The executive producer was Ellie Bury. For more Guardian long reads in text and a selection in audio, go to theguardian.com forward slash long read. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? 
Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.